those things. Acts chapter 21, are you there? Paul is uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, we, we walked through Acts chapter 19 and 20, Paul's ministry at Ephesus. Uh, we know that uh, as he was making his way to Jerusalem time and again, the Holy Spirit gave warning to him uh, that bonds and afflictions uh, awaited him. Uh, we don't sense that God was telling him not to go, but rather that God was preparing him for what lay ahead. Um, Paul was resolute. He believed he was doing the will of God. He was bound in his spirit to go there uh, and so forth. And in verse 17, uh, they make their arrival. It says, when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James and all the elders were present. The James being spoken here is not uh, James the Apostle. Can anybody remember how do we know that that was not James the brother of John? He, he died in Acts chapter 12. Uh, King Herod put him to death with the sword. He was the first uh, of the apostles to pass away. Uh, the James here would have been the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. Uh, also the author of the book of James. This man, James, his name appears quite a bit, uh, was a great leader in the church at Jerusalem. He was, if you will, the pastor of that church. Many times when there were controversies uh, during the history of the book of Acts, that would come before James, and, and James would give a, if you will, a verdict on how to handle uh, that particular issue. Go back just a few pages, Acts 15, uh, when Paul and Barnabas returned from their first journey, um, they, uh, they reported to the church and so forth. It says in verse 1, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. The Jewish people had a hard time. Uh, understanding that when a Gentile got saved, they did so by receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior, period. They did not have to become a Jewish person in order to be saved. Um, and so th there, were, there were these groups that came along. Paul encountered them uh, everywhere he went, uh, saying that if a person was not circumcised after the law of Moses, they couldn't be saved. Um, verse 2, Paul and Barnabas uh, argued and debated with them. This was in Antioch. And so they went to uh, Jerusalem uh, there, and they brought the matter before the church. And uh, look, if you would, please, uh, verse number 13. Uh, Paul and Barnabas have spoken. Others have spoken, Peter and so forth. Uh, the Bible says, and after they had held their peace, James, this is that man in Acts 21, answered, said, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. To this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. He went on to quote scripture and to help them understand that if the, the law couldn't save the Jewish people, it certainly can't save the Gentile people as well. And the matter was settled and the word of James was, was so well trusted because of his, his walk with God. Uh, if you read the history of the early church, you may find some of it in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Uh, other texts that talk about that first century church. Um, this man, James, uh, was known by the nickname of Old Camel's Knees. 
Um, and it was said that, uh, that he was given the nickname because his knees had huge calluses on them from spending so much time on his knees in prayer. Uh, he was a godly man. He was a uh, very devout man. He was very highly respected. Back in Acts chapter 21, this is who Paul uh, comes to meet with, was James, and, and uh, give a report there. Uh, of all that's done. Verse 19, when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. Now he's in Jerusalem. This is the center of the Jewish church. Not just Judaism, but the Jewish church. That which was, uh, we read about in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Uh, there had been many scattered about, uh, abroad upon the persecution of Stephen and so forth. We'll see here in just a moment that that church is actually rebuilt over time. They've stayed faithful in the midst of their persecution. And so Paul is now talking about his ministry to the Gentiles. Uh, this is something that, again, the Jewish people even here uh, in Acts chapter 21, they are still trying to wrap their mind around where do the Gentiles fit uh, in God's plan. Verse 20, when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. So they were excited about hearing uh, of, uh, of these churches. We're, we're talking about now the churches all over um, uh, Greece, uh, Macedonia, uh, the churches, uh, the church at Ephesus and the great ministry there and how the gospel went through all of that region known as Asia uh, and so forth and, and the, the, the people saved and all of those things and they rejoiced and the Bible says and they glorified the Lord um, and said unto him, this, is, this would be James speaking here, thou seest brother, notice this, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe. That's a great statement. Many thought that after the persecution of Stephen in Acts 8 and 9, that the church at Jerusalem was just down to a skeleton crew, and for a while they were. Keep your place here, and let me back you up to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter 8. Right after Stephen died, Saul was consenting unto his death, verse 1. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria. Notice this, except the apostles. Uh, they're a church of thousands, and they're down now to a church of, of just a handful, uh, of maybe a dozen people. Everybody's scattered. Uh, can you imagine what it, it was like for them? Uh, there aren't any crowds anymore. Um, there, 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 there are no multitudes of people and, and, and all of those amazing things that, that we read about in the first seven chapters uh, of the book of Acts. It'd be very easy in the ebb and flow of things for them to get discouraged and say, well, what was the point in all of this uh, and so forth. Um, but uh, we, we know everybody that was scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word of God. But we find out that even with that turn of events, that uh, small handful of people didn't give up on the things of God. Um, 
we, we do too much looking around to see how many are here with us and, and how many are involved and all that. We need to understand we're supposed to be faithful whether we're, the, we're uh, in the majority or whether we're in the minority. We're supposed to be faithful to God whether there's a whole big crowd there or whether there's just a handful of people there. We're just, we're called to be faithful, okay? And we know that they were because it says in verse 20, again, Acts 21, 20, when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto them, thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe. This church is rebuilt. Um, this church, they just stayed at it, preaching the gospel and so forth. Thousands of people, and these are Jewish people. How many of you have ever led a Jewish person to Christ? How many have ever tried to witness to a Jewish person? You want to get shut down fast. It's, it, it can happen, and I, I've tried and, and so forth, and I've met some Jewish people that have gotten saved um, and, and so forth, but there are thousands of Jewish people here that got saved. The Bible says, and they are all zealous of the law. They weren't trying to keep the law as, an, as, as uh, a, a means of salvation. That is already settled by that phrase, thousands of Jews there are which believe. They're Jewish people that want to live the life that God would have them to live. The Jews were a, a God's chosen people, and there were aspects of that law uh, that, that were specifically Jewish. For example, the Sabbath day. Uh, what day of the week is the Sabbath? Saturday. Did you know that of all the Ten Commandments, the only one that's not repeated in the New Testament is remember the Sabbath day? Uh, because the Bible teaches throughout the Old Testament the Sabbath was given to the Jewish people. Uh, dietary laws, various things like that. So these are these are devout Jewish people that have gotten saved. They understand uh, that Jesus is the one that died on the cross, paid for their sins. He's their promised Messiah. Messiah. But look at verse 21. James is talking to Paul, says, they are informed of thee. In other words, they've heard stories. There's no internet, there's no Facebook, there's none of that. Uh, but it is amazing how news travels without any of those things. Nothing new about that. They are informed of thee that thou teaches all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. So there's a rumor that's gone around that Paul is out there uh, telling Jewish people that once you get saved, you don't have to obey the Bible anymore. You don't have to, you, you, you just go out and live like the Gentiles. There's similar teachings today. You know, now that I'm saved, it doesn't matter how I live. My sins are all forgiven. You know, I'm, I'm under grace. I'm not under law. Uh, again, nothing new under the sun. So this rumor is circulated. By the way, that was not Paul's message to anyone. Paul's message was to the Gentiles, you do not have to become a Jew to get saved. And after you get saved, you're not becoming a Jew. You are a Christian. Um, and, and he taught them uh, the word of God and what that meant. So the rumor is um, amongst the Jews, it said all the Jews and even some of those we have to assume to believe that Paul was teaching this. What is it there for? James is asking the question, are you really teaching this and so forth? The multitude must needs come together for they will hear that thou art come 
Paul, everybody's going to find out you're in town. And this question is on everybody's mind. What are you teaching about this matter? Um, they're going to want to know. So James comes up with uh, a plan. What he's, James is about to do is to be a diplomat. You and I may not understand this entirely. Uh, but, but again, we're not first century Jewish believers. Uh, we're not even 21st century Jewish believers. Uh, we got to understand where they're coming from. There's a big controversy that is going on. James wants to put it to rest. He, he wants people to understand Paul is not teaching falsely. Paul is not abandoning his heritage. Um, he's building on it. I believe Paul is the author of the book of Hebrews. Can anybody tell me who the book of Hebrews was written to? Hebrews. That was a good one. I know that was a really tough question. In the book of Hebrews, uh, Paul lays out in stupendous fashion. The theme is Jesus is better. And he talks about how Jesus is better than the angels in chapter 1. Jesus is better than Moses in chapters 2 and 3. Um, and, and he goes on, Jesus is better than the priesthood of Aaron. He's, he's better than the sacrifices. Because though all of those had their place and, and all of those have a biblical importance, none of them could save us. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And Paul, Paul uh, rightly instructed um, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on that. But at this point in time, the book of Hebrews has not been written. There's going to be a controversy in the church. It's already there. James, James is looking at the battle that is shaping up. And James is seeking to be wise to help folks understand Paul is not teaching false teaching as has been rumored about him. So James came up, if you will, a, a, a remedy for all of this. Verse 23, here's the plan. He says, do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have taken a vow on them. Them take and purify themselves, purify thyself with them. And be at charges with them that they may shave their heads. And all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing. But that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. James is not talking about your keeping the law in an effort to be saved. But that you are living a godly life according to the statutes and the judgments. Uh, that were handed down in the Old Testament. So James said, we got these four men, they've taken a vow. We're not sure, but we, most, most commentators that I read on this believe there was probably some men that took a Nazarite vow. We've talked about that a lot. If you're in Sunday school, by the way, if you're a grown-up, you ought to be able to get up and get dressed in time to come to Sunday school at 10 o'clock. Amen. Um, in Sunday school, in the life of Samson, we've studied a lot about this thing called a Nazarite vow. Numbers chapter 6 laid it out. There was no instruction given as to why a man or a woman would take such a vow. It might have been an act of gratitude. God did something for them. And uh, so they were in gratitude, dedicating themselves for a period of time to the Lord's service 
they would take upon them this vow. Some think that the Nazarite vow uh, might have been that they needed God to do something for them. And so they consecrated their entire being for a period of time that they would take upon them this vow. Remember a Nazarite, um, they, they weren't allowed to cut their hair during the length of the vow. What else could they not do? They couldn't have any fruit of the vine, not grapes, not raisins, not grape juice, uh, strong drink. They couldn't have any of that. What else could a Nazarite not do? They could not touch any dead carcass, animal or human. Uh, they, would, they would defile themselves and break their vow by doing so. There was no time length dictated in number six for how long a Nazarite vow had to last. So in other words, it was between you and the Lord on that. It was a very specific thing. Now, we know with Samson, that Nazarite vow started at his conception and was supposed to last until the day of his death. Um, he was, God ordained that. He was supposed to be a very unique human being. Uh, his entire life was supposed to be a testimony of what it is to be dedicated to the Lord. Uh, it, it appears that probably these four men had taken a Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow had nothing to do with the sacrificial system, the ceremonial sacrifices that pictured uh, the, the, uh, the sacrifice of Christ as payment for our sin. Again, it was between an individual and God, uh, either as gratitude uh, for something God had done, or, or, or perhaps it was for I need God to do something in my life, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so these four men had taken this vow on them. James is telling Paul, I want you to join yourself to them. Now we saw when Paul was in Corinth, when he got ready to leave there, he took a vow like this at, at Corinth uh, and, and stayed at a, 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 a port city called Sancria uh, because he had this vow on himself until the vow was finished. So this is not new territory for Paul and for a Jewish person. Uh, this was something everybody would recognize. Here's somebody who's dedicated himself to God, who is following the, the, the teaching of Numbers chapter 6 in this Nazarite vow. So Paul is going to join these four men. Okay, The Bible says he's to be at charges with them. That language means that Paul's actually going to bear some of the expense of, of uh, this thing because you see when the vow was done they would go to the temple and that day their heads would be shaved and they had to present a series of sacrifices um, there again this had nothing to do with the ceremonial law but they had it off of rams and goats and lambs uh, and so forth um, and so James is, is sort of indicating Paul is not only going to join with them uh, he's going to be chargeable with them uh, and so forth that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things were they were informed concerning thee or nothing. James's mindset is, Paul, join with these guys. Take this vow. You'll be going, going into the temple with them. You'll be seen with these men that are clearly following, we believe, a Nazarite vow. Uh, to all of your critics that are, are saying you're teaching Jews to just uh, cast it all away and live like a Gentile now, they're going to understand that that is not true of you. 
Um, you're going to be, you're going to help these four men. Maybe they were poor. Maybe they couldn't afford all the sacrifices. You're going to help out with that. And again, James purpose that all may know that those things were, they were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly. Um, so James is, James is trying to be diplomatic, uh, here. Let me take you to some scriptures to help you understand what James is trying to do. Keep your place here and turn to Romans 12. Romans 12. This is not the first time that this controversy's come up, but this has really come uh, uh, against Paul, uh, a criticism against him, and James is trying to diffuse that situation uh, and trying to be wise about it. Look at verse number 18. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. You probably should highlight or underline. This is a very important verse. Why don't you go ahead and read it with me, church. Ready? If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Um, we're, we're supposed to do everything we can to bring peace to the body of Christ. But not only that, not just with the body of Christ, but with all men. Um, there, there's no badge of honor to being hard to get along with. You understand that? Uh, drunkards are hard to get along with. Nobody's patting them on the back saying, attaboy. Uh, as a believer, we're supposed to do everything we can to get along with people, with all men. Um, and, and that is what James, James is trying to bring peace into the New Testament church there in the city of Jerusalem because they've been informed through we'll just call it what it is, through the gossip grapevine that Paul's teaching heresy and telling Jews to ignore the Bible and go live like a Gentile. So he's trying to diffuse that, saying, Paul, I want you to set an example. I want you to do something outwardly that will help these people understand just by your manner of life that that is not so. He's trying to bring peace to the body of Christ. There are things that we ought to take a stand for and, and uh, that we can't be at peace about. If somebody stands up and said that the Bible is not the inspired word of God, I can't have peace with that person. I, and I'm not gonna. Somebody stands up and says there's more than one way to heaven, can't have peace with that person. Everybody okay? Um, somebody says that you've got to have uh, Mary's help to get to heaven, I can't have peace with that. I can't join up with that. Um, but if somebody thinks that blue is a better color than green, I can have peace with that. They're entitled to be wrong. Uh, you know, th there are some things like that we don't have to fuss over. But it's amazing the things that we elevate to the, to the level of Bible doctrine that aren't. Um, James is trying to help them say, we, we need to be on the same page. And you need to understand Paul is on the same page about this. He's trying to be wise. Uh, and, and, and so forth with them. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. There's, Paul is going to go along with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we can criticize him and say he should have done so. He should have, uh, you know, just told these people this, that, or the other thing. But Paul had a burden for his people. He had a burden to see Jewish people, lost Jewish people, saved, saved Jewish people to be grounded in the things of the Lord. Notice what Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse number 19. For though I be free 
from all men. I'm not answerable to men. I'm answerable to God for what I believe. Yet have I made myself servant unto all that I may gain the more. Unto the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Let's just stop there for just a moment. Um, Paul's burden was to see people get saved. That, that's really what he wanted. He said, when it comes to the Jewish people, he said, I became as a Jew. Now, he was a Jew. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees before he got saved. Uh, he had Jewish blood in his veins. He had a Jewish heritage. He's of the seed of Abraham, both physically and now as a believer, spiritually. But when he was around the Jewish people, um, it, it's not that he put on a facade. It's not that he changed anything. He said, to the Jew, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. He said, I was mindful of, of how they think and how they speak. I was mindful of their sensitivities. Uh, I, I, I was careful how I conducted myself around Jewish people. I want them to understand uh, the, the gospel message without me doing something offensive to them. Missionaries often find themselves in, in situations like this. Uh, Brother Vong was with us last Wednesday night. What a tremendous missionary. What a tremendous presentation. Remember when he was talking about, uh, he showed that, that picture of some dish he ate. Um, am I mistaken or was that a cooked rat? Does anybody else get the same? That was, that was a rat. Um, you realize in a lot of cultures like that, if, if they offer you a dish like that and you don't eat it, they are offended. They are offended. Um, and I've talked to a number of men. How many know what balut is? We got some, Brother Lito just started laughing back there. Balut is like, it's like a duck egg that they bury and, and, and let it just, I don't know, rot. I don't know what they do with it. Um, and, and so forth. When uh, Tim was in Australia on a missions trip, uh, the, the church that, that he worked with there had a large Filipino population and uh, they offered him balut. And you understand that for, uh, and I, 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 don't, I don't know if the, the Philippines would, if Filipinos would be offended by it, but a lot of cultures not to eat that would offend them. Uh, you know, that type of thing. If, if Paul was there with Brother Vaughn, he would have tasted some rat. He would have tasted some rat. You say, why? Because his desire is to win those people to Christ. And how do, you, how do you reach them if you offend them? Now, it's not, it's not like he was going to smoke a cigarette or get high on drugs or, or, or drink booze, okay? It was, it was okay, yeah. I, I don't know that I would have liked, I, I would have just asked God to send me somewhere they don't eat rat or, or monkey or, or uh, spiders or anything disgusting like that. Um, that's what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. When I'm around the Jewish people, I try to be very careful of their sensibilities and so forth because I don't want to unnecessarily offend them. If they're offended at my message, that's one thing. But if they're offended by, by my behavior, that's an entirely different thing. Um, verse 22, he says, to the weak became I as, as weak. If you've ever gone through a hard time, the last thing you need is somebody coming along telling you, oh, you ought to just buck up. What, what, what do you, what do you, that kind of a person's a lousy comforter. Uh, Job told his three friends, 
miserable comforters are ye. Paul said, when I'm around somebody that's going through a hard trial, I don't act like I, I never have any problems. I never have a bad day. He said, I put myself in their shoes, and, and, and I can commiserate with them, and I, I try to identify with them on that level. I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. This I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. He wasn't saying that I go to the bar and belly up so, you know, to the bar and, and order a, a draft beer so that I can win a drunkard to Christ. He wasn't violating any scripture. He's just saying I try to meet people right where they are and, and uh, I, I want to win them to Christ uh, and so forth. On Paul's behalf in Acts chapter 21, Paul is going to go ahead and follow James' advice because of his own desire. He wants his Jewish brethren to understand the rumors you heard about me are not true. I am not teaching that Jews need to forsake the, the scriptures and go out and live like the Gentiles do. And so he is doing everything he can to demonstrate uh, that he is right and that he is sincere. Uh, verse 25 is touching the Gentiles which believe. We have written and concluded that they observe no such thing. They, they don't have to do all of this. Uh, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. The, so he's saying, James is talking here, saying, look, we've already talked to the Gentiles. We're telling them you don't have to become Jews, but you do need to stay right with God. Stay away from anything associated with idolatry. Uh, stay morally pure uh, and, and so forth. Verse 26, then Paul took the men the next day purifying himself with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. So James is trying to bring peace and, and settle the rumors from his end. And Paul, wanting to uh, reach the Jewish people, be effective in reaching them, goes ahead and, and takes this vow upon him. Again, I think it's probably a Nazarite vow. Uh, so he's in the temple. Uh, he's with these men that have clearly uh, uh, separated themselves under the Lord. He's joining with them. Verse 27, when the seven days were almost ended, this would, we're assuming the days of purification, the Jews which were of Asia, that's where Paul just left, Ephesus uh, and all of that region there where Paul had spent three years or so, the Jews which were of Asia when they saw him in the temple, we're assuming these are unbelieving Jews. These are not saved Jews. Because Paul would have taught the saved Jews in Asia the truth. They would have known uh, better than anyone that that's not what Paul taught. These would have been the unbelieving Jews that rejected the gospel. When they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. They saw him in the temple with these guys. They recognized him, and they just, they just got the whole crowd of people in an uproar. Uh, the temple was, was a busy place from the time the doors were opened at 6 in the morning till 6 in the evening. There were certain hours that were designated the hour of prayer. People were coming and going, offering sacrifices um, uh, and so forth. There would have been individuals like this group that Paul was identifying with that were there with various vows and, and, and reasons for being there. Massive amounts of people. We know that on the day of Pentecost, thousands of people got saved. 
at the temple. In Acts chapter uh, 3, 4, and 5, uh, when the lame man got healed, there were 5,000 men that were present that got saved at that, at that time. So these, these Jews from Asia, they see Paul, they recognize him, they stir up the people, they laid hands on him, so they grab him now. Uh, things are getting, getting uh, violent and rough very quickly, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. I'm going to stop there just for a moment. So the, the word is out amongst the Jewish people in Jerusalem that Paul has taught those things, but most people don't know who he is. He's been gone for years. He started as Saul, as Tar, uh, Saul of Tarsus, one of them, a persecutor, but that was decades ago. He's been on three missionary journeys that have taken years and years apiece. Uh, most of the people have never laid eyes on this guy, but they've heard there's this guy, Paul, and, and they, they heard the lie about what he supposedly taught. Well, these guys of Asia said, this is the guy. This is the man you've all been hearing about. And notice what they said, teacheth all men everywhere against the people. In other words, he's an anti-Semite. He's against the Jews now. He's turned against his own people. He, he's taught uh, all men everywhere against the people and the law. He's against the Bible, the scriptures. Was Paul against the law? Now, the truth of the matter is Paul had a better understanding of the law than they did. Uh, that's what the, where the book of Hebrews comes in so, so brilliantly uh, on that. And this place was Paul against the temple. Yes or no? No, he was in it. He was there. Okay? Um, and, and so everything they've said in their, their first little diatribe uh, is, is a lie. And look at this. And further, they add, they're adding to this, and further brought Greeks also into the holy temple and hath polluted this holy place. Gentiles were not allowed. There was a place, part of the temple called the Court of the Gentiles, where you and I, if the temple was standing, we could go that far. But beyond the Court of the Gentiles, we would not be permitted to be there. Okay, we all right with that? Um, and so forth. So now they've added to it, but the Bible says, uh, not only has he, he, he been teaching all this stuff and everything they said is a lie, now they're adding to it saying he brought Greeks into the temple. Verse 29 explains why they said that. For they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesian, so that means these are Jews of Ephesus, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. So before this day, they had seen Paul somewhere around town. They had seen him with Trophimus. They might have known him because he was in Ephesian too. Um, uh, and, and so forth. They would have known that he was a Gentile by his garments uh, and, and so forth. And so they just assumed, they just assumed Paul brought him in the temple with them. Um, you understand that critics really don't care much about facts. Um, they'll just make up the facts as they go uh, and so forth. And so not only have they, had, have they lied about the message, if, the, if they had heard Paul teach in Ephesus, everything they claimed against him in verse 28, they know for a fact 
that that's not what he taught. They knew that. Now they're guessing that he's brought Trophimus in uh, with them. And verse 30, and all the city was moved. This spread out from the temple. Anytime something happened in the temple in Jerusalem, it was big news. And man, that, that just spread like wildfire. And the people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple. That, that gives you idea. Dragged him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. They believe that he's polluted the temple. They believe that, that he's a heretic and all of this. And look at verse 31. And as they went about to what? Kill him. Do you realize there's been no trial? Do you realize there's been no evidence? None whatsoever. All it's been is gossip and slander and hearsay and assumption. Did you know that an accusation is not proof of guilt? Just because you heard something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you heard somebody said or did something doesn't mean they're guilty. Uh, in America, we have a philosophy that you are innocent until proven guilty. But sadly, that's changed in, in modern times. Now you're guilty until proven innocent, and even then you might still be guilty. Sadly, that's true of a lot of Christians as well. I've watched it happen over and over again through the last 43 years. All it takes is somebody to level an accusation and a whole bunch of people jump on the bandwagon. They didn't see it happen. They weren't there. Well, well, so-and-so told me and I trust them. If somebody gossiped with you, you cannot trust them. Gossips are the least honest, least reliable people in the world. Yeah, but they're spiritual. There's no such thing as a spiritual gossip. The Bible says that they are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 6. Abomination, same word God used about homosexuality and witchcraft and incest and all kinds of other sins. God says that about backbiting and slander and gossip, sowing discord among brothers. Yeah, but I really trust this person. If they're gossiping, you can't trust them but we'll just jump on the bandwagon. Here's all these people ready to kill an innocent man because they heard something. Now, this is going to escalate. This is not done. This is the beginning of Paul's trouble that the Holy Spirit warned him. I don't think he anticipated that this is how it was going to happen. Um, uh, something I wrote in the margins of my Bible, in spite of James and Paul's good intentions, the bottom line was that you seldom satisfy the critic. But the important thing was they did everything they could to do right. They did everything they could to live peaceably with all men. Paul did everything that he could to show the Jewish people that he was not an offense to them uh, and by his mannerisms. Maybe they didn't like his message, but his mannerisms were not to be an offense. And on that point, Paul and James are to be highly commended. It, it, um, we say, but it didn't turn out well for them. That's not the issue. Did they do right? Did they try their best? As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. We need to stop there for sake of time. Uh, tonight, we'll come back and, and pick this up uh, next Wednesday evening. And uh, the city of Jerusalem is about to go uh, on high alert. Paul is going to have in the midst of all of that 
an opportunity to share his testimony, to testify of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ to possibly the largest crowd that he's ever witnessed to up to this point in his life. He's going to stay faithful in the middle of all of these things. Let us, let us be careful that uh, we do everything we can to uh, be mindful of other people around us, to live in such a way that maybe they don't agree with our message, but our mannerisms are not offensive. We don't have to be nasty. We don't have to be prickly. We don't have to be mean. We can be kind and we can be gracious and, and we can do everything we can to be a good testimony and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Paul and James both had that as their heartbeat. Um, they are to be commended for that. We're not responsible for how other people respond. We're responsible for how did we conduct ourselves. We need to stop there this evening. Uh, Brother Carter.